You can be seated. In the month of August at Daybreak, we did a series entitled My Daybreak, and kind of the heart of the series was to help each of us who calls Daybreak our, our home church uh, see it as ours, to own it. And sometimes we refer to the church, and, and our goal is that if you're a part of this family, that you'd be able to say my church, my family, because we believe that's what God's word says, that this is just one local body of believers, but that when you choose to be a part of, of God's family, that you're engrafted into the family and that you're a part of the body of Christ and that your contribution and your gift and, and your, who you are uh, in relationship to the rest of the family really matters. And so we went through this series and one of the things that Pastor Joel introduced to us was a prayer. And the prayer is on the back of your outline this morning if you would pull it out. It's not gonna be up on the screens, but you can see right on the back of your outline. It's called the Brushstroke, Brushstrokes Prayer. And in a minute... Uh, we're going to pray it together. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me, and you can pray it whether you're a part of our church family or not, but it's just a prayer yielding ourselves to God, just a prayer saying, God, would you continue by your grace, by your kindness, by your mercy to show and give us direction, to, to show us the path as a church that we want to continue to walk in your ways, and we want to continue to know your heart. So we're going to pray it together this morning, and just as a reminder for you to continue to pray it uh, as we go out through these next few months and continue to seek God's direction for our church family. So I'm going to pray it and uh, just invite you to pray, and I had to say this in the first service, out loud, pray out loud if you'd like, along with me. That would be great. Lord, you alone are the master artist. We, your children, are your masterpiece. Today, I freely yield myself into your hands. Clean the mud off the canvas as I step into the light with you. Remove anything inside of me or outside of me that is blurring the lines or blocking the view of your masterpiece today. Lord, we the people of Daybreak Church long to see you in all of your glory. Please reveal the brushstrokes of your plan to our church family during this time of yielding prayer. Today, as your child, I entrust myself to you, your nail-scarred hands. You are the master artist. We are your masterpiece. We yield ourselves to you. And everyone said, amen. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Oh, yeah. Rough morning so far, huh? That's all right. We'll see what we can do about that. Well, my name is Jason Fickus, and I'm the director of small group ministries here at Daybreak. And uh, as Pastor Rick said, we are moving along in our Life Apps series this morning. Uh, the first week was just focused on the, uh, the fact that application is everything. Uh, if, we, if we just listen to God's word but don't do anything with it, we're not going to get anywhere. Uh, and this week we move into the next part of the series where over the next three weeks uh, we're going to look at three specific topics uh, where we and where our culture really uh, need to be able to apply God's word to our lives in order to be healthy. And today we are looking at the money app from God's word. We're going to check out uh, what God's word says about stewarding our money wisely and about being able to to be in a place where we have financial peace. So why did we choose money uh, as one of the three topics? Well, in case you hadn't noticed, money is kind of a big deal in our culture, isn't it? The pursuit of money and even more the pursuit of what money can bring is probably one of the foremost messages that uh, our culture puts in front of us on a daily, uh, sometimes even hourly basis. 
whether it's uh, in commercials or in movies or in magazines or in books, we're bombarded with messages about money all the time. Think even about the, the references made to money uh, in music. It doesn't really matter what genre of music that you listen to, you're going to hear messages, you're going to hear songs that have to do with money. And uh, to prove that to you, we put together a little compilation this morning of a few different genres of music and uh, how they talk about money. So listen and see if you recognize some of these songs, and, and we'll go from there. So go ahead. He's got Pink Floyd, a little classic rock, right? For whatever reason, when I think about the topic of money, this is like the first song that pops into my head. Sit back and just enjoy. Re- relive your youth a little bit. Probably the only time Notorious B.I.G. will ever be played in church. But if you grow up, you're about my age. Uh, this, this was all the rage in high school. Although it was much better to only listen to the beat and not the lyrics. About Broadway music, even. This is from the show Cabaret. My name makes that That clinking, clanking sound of money, 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 get it. Gets a little crazy here at the end. Watch out. All right, who had their best years in the 80s? Best years, hey, a little Donna Summers here for you. These next guys are kind of like their own genre. Any Beatles fans? Beatles fans? I feel like this is one that all the uh, guys that are trying to like relive and like do all the, like they play these shows, they, they play this, this song a lot. You hear it a lot in karaoke bars or whatever. Even the most polarizing genre of them all, you either love or hate country music. This is a song by Sonia Lee. Listen to the lyrics. Bring your love, but I'm not the settle down kind. I can make your eyes light up, put a dazzle in your smile, yeah. I can make you die for me without a single question why my name is Money. Money is my name. On the fence about country music, but I kind of like that song. I don't know. I kind of like the beat of that. But hey, regardless, we're being bombarded every every time in every form of media with messages about money. Every day we're being marketed to more often and probably in more ways than we even realize. And our culture has no shortage of suggestions as to what we can do with our money once we've got it. And for the most part, I can summarize that in about three words. Three words are spend, spend, and... Spend, yes, you guys got it. So we do, right? We spend on restaurants. We spend on gizmos and gadgets. We buy from 31 and Mary Kay and Pampered Chef and Premier Jewelry and QVC, right? We buy new cars, and when we can't afford those, uh, we lease for the illusion of owning new. Uh, We buy houses large enough for small armies, and the possibilities of what we can spend our money on are endless. And so we we download our culture's money app designed to make us spend like crazy, and then we end ourselves getting, we end up getting ourselves rather into trouble. 
Rather than us tuning into what God's word has to say about how to manage money, instead we're tuning into what our culture has to say. And so we end up trying to keep up with the Joneses. We try to do what everybody else is doing with money, and we end up, just like everyone else, running short on cash. In 2011, uh, the American Psychology Association asked adults ages 20 to 60 what one thing caused them the most stress in daily living. And would you believe that 80% of the people who responded to that survey said that money was the number one daily stressor in life? 80%, that's like epidemic level of financial stress. And what are the effects of that stress? We see marriages collapsing over money problems. We see adults contemplating thoughts of suicide. We see people who are working 70 to 80 hour work weeks, not because they want to, but because they have to in order to try to keep their heads above water. Our culture is so wrapped up in money, really in materialism, as a measure of our status, as a measure of our security, uh, our worth, our happiness, ultimately our identity. And so it's no wonder that money is such a huge stressor to us. And I wouldn't be painting uh, a complete picture of our culture's financial state if I didn't mention that Christians are not exempt from this either. In fact, at times we're almost indistinguishable from the rest of the culture uh, as it relates to how we manage our money. Uh, We go into just as much unnecessary debt, uh, we save just as little, and we barely give more uh, in charitable contributions than the rest of the non-churched world. So clearly it's time that we download a new money app. And we can find that in God's word. And so today my hope is that all of us would be challenged to look at money a little bit differently, uh, learning God's healthy guidelines, and then that we would have the courage to fly in the face of everything that our culture says is normal when it comes to what to do with our money. My prayer is that today we'd be able to come to a place where we would realize that it's okay to stop pretending that we've got everything together financially and that instead uh, we would be able to admit to God those areas of our finances which are broken and then that we would be able to ask him to heal us in those places. So today's message is all about finding financial peace, but what does that even mean? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean first. It doesn't mean that you've got a six-figure income. Uh, It doesn't mean that you've got a huge stock portfolio. It it doesn't mean that you have a different car for every day of the week that you could drive if you so choose. Plenty of people who have those things still have not been able to experience financial peace. Instead, financial peace means adopting God's perspective and applying God's principles to the way that we manage our finances. Essentially, it means managing money God's way. This is when we find true financial peace. So let's dig into our outline. If you haven't pulled that out yet, feel free to do so now, and uh, you can follow along and fill in the blanks with us as we go. So I find financial peace, number one, when I adopt God's perspective. When I adopt God's perspective. If we truly were going to download a money app from God's word, uh, God's perspective is what this app would be based on. Uh, It would be the foundation for how the app was designed and every bit of functionality of the app uh, would be pointing you towards understanding uh, and applying God's perspective. So throughout this first point, we're going to work through three uh, somewhat challenging questions uh, and several passages of scripture to help us discern what God's perspective is on managing money. And here's the first question. When it comes to managing your money, are you really free? Are you really free? Are you free to make decisions that will bring life and joy and holiness, even if they run counter to what our culture says is normal in trying to, trying to get those things in our lives. This is really another way of asking who or what 
have you granted default decision-making power in your life? You know, as we manage our money and as we choose what we're going to do with it, uh, it's easy for us to have the illusion that we have control, to have that illusion that we are free. Uh, And here's a a quick test to gauge how free you are. If you were to look at your credit card bill uh, from last month and see how many purchases you made that you now regret, uh, that will give you a good gauge. You know, on more than one occasion, my credit card bill has been filled with with Homer Simpson purchases, with those like, oh, what in the world was I thinking purchases, right? It happens to all of us. Listen, though, to God's perspective on your freedom from Romans 6, 16 to 18. It says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone, or maybe something, as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now, you probably don't think of yourself as a slave to money, do you? I mean, I know I don't, uh, but God's word challenges us to consider that. You know, in my life and in your life, how often are we unknowing slaves to the sin of materialistic gluttony? We're slaves to the desire to have more stuff and better stuff and newer stuff. And then Jesus adds another layer in Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Underline this next sentence. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. I think sometimes we think that this is a both and thing, but Jesus says no. He says you have a choice between two masters. It's one or the other. He says you choose to serve God or you can choose to serve money. And if you're like most people hearing this, your response is, well, I would never like outward, outrightly, just blatantly choose to serve money over God. But the challenge is that that choice isn't always as obvious as that because Satan is so deceptive and he's got great strategies uh, t- to make us rationalize a poor decision-making and when it comes to our finances. You know, th- through our culture, he has convinced us that uh, people's worth and people's significance is measured by uh, how much money and, and how many nice things that they have. So what happens when we're, in, when we're in doubt, when we're unsure about our significance, about our worth, we spend, right? We find ourselves thinking, if I just had a little bit more money or if I just had a little bit of a nicer car or a bigger house or was able to go on better vacations, then I'd be more valuable. Then I'd be more loved. Then I'd be more important. My wife, Brooke, and I are fairly new parents. Our son, Weston, actually just turned two yesterday, and we did the, the marathon two-birthday party thing. Crazy. But I remember two years ago the allure of all the baby stuff when we were preparing for him to be born. You know, as, as a new parent, there's a temptation to spend big bucks on all those super fancy baby things so that you can feel like I'm new mom or new dad of the year. My kid's going to be the coolest one on the block, right? Well, John Acuff, a satirical Christian author and one of the new teachers of Dave Ramsey's FPU, uh, Financial Peace University program, uh, he wrote a book based on his experiences in FPU called Gazelles, Baby Steps, and 37 Other Things Dave Ramsey Taught Me About Debt. And really, the, the whole point of the book is to make fun of us, himself included, for the, the stupid ways that we think about spending and the stupid ways that we manage our money. And he's got a chapter in his book called Five Star Baby Stroller uh, that I want to read just a short blurb from. And if you're a newer parent, maybe you'll be able to relate to this as well. He says, baby strollers either measure up to one consistent set of safety standards or they don't. You're not keeping your child dramatically safer with every extra dollar you spend. 
Cooler? Sure. What toddler doesn't want some sort of ridiculous whip sitting on dubs they can roll up to play group in? What baby doesn't want the Maybach of strollers, complete with dual climate zones for when Big Brother decides to hop in? What three-year-old doesn't want a diamond-encrusted sippy cup for his vitamin-infused pomegranate juice? Dare to dream, kids, dare to dream. But parents, don't buy the lie that to be a good mom or dad, you have to spend more money than other parents because that's just not true. I love it that he helps kind of to point out uh, that money and stuff are deceptive. You know, we buy because we think we need a certain level of something. We buy because it makes us feel good, because it makes us feel like we're in control, or because it makes us feel important. But we don't realize that in the process, we're being mastered by materialism. We're being mastered by the desire for more money and for more stuff. You know, I've heard it said that money is a cunning servant, but a horrible master. You know, when we are able to master money, we can get it to do amazing things for us. But when we let money master us, that's when we find ourselves in trouble. So the first question to consider when learning God's perspective on money is, are you really free? Who have you really chosen to serve? Is it God or is it money? Here's the second question to help us discern God's perspective. Second question is, can you be trusted with true wealth? Can you be trusted with true wealth? God's word says that blessing comes after obedience. So could it be that God is waiting to bless us with true wealth after we demonstrate trustworthiness with what he's given us already? Again, let's check out what God's money app, what God's word uh, says about this. In Luke 16, Jesus says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And then in Matthew 25, in the parable, in the story that Jesus is telling, the master says to the one who was faithful with what that master had given him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. So in Luke 16, Jesus gets us thinking about true riches, and he shows us that uh, we're only going to be entrusted with true riches once we've become faithful in managing earthly riches. And then in Matthew 25, 21, the parable speaks about how being faithful with a few things, with the little things, is the gateway to us being entrusted uh, with being in charge of many things, of bigger things. You know, I think it's easy for us sometimes to think that, that earthly riches are what it's all about, that even though the Bible tells us otherwise, we still find it hard to believe that the best is yet to come because this is where we are. This is our reality now. So instead, we find ourselves believing that uh, the best is here to be found somewhere if I can just find it and then buy it and then use it. And so we search and then we find something that we think is going to be the best and then we buy it and then we use it and then we find out no it's it's not giving us satisfaction for the long term you know for example think about when you go out and you buy a new car you spend 20 to 30 thousand dollars on a new car thinking that it's gonna make you happy and for a short season you know maybe it does but you drive it off the lot and it loses half of its value and then a few short years later you're paying thousands of dollars in repairs just to keep this car on the road and you realize this car did not bring me long-term happiness I want to read another portion of John A. Cuff's book from a chapter called Let's Not Get Distracted by the Bright and Shiny. And this is what he says. He says, The other day my four-year-old, McRae, shared her thoughts on the pet situation at our house. 
Like many little girls, she and her sister Ellie are desperate to own a cat that they can dress up like a princess and go on adventures with. But my wife, Jenny, is allergic, so alas, we will not be buying a cat anytime soon. Pondering this sad reality, McRae remarked at dinner, well, we can get a cat when mom is dead. (laughs) And although this is technically scientifically true, I'm not sure we should tell mom that when she dies, instead of a funeral, we're going to have a cat party. (laughs) We'll just make it rain felines. Well, I've been thinking about cats a lot lately because of some credit card commercials I keep seeing. In the commercials, the announcer doesn't mention the rates or the responsibilities or the payments. Instead, he just goes on and on about how you can customize the design of your credit card with photos of your family. You can put your kid's mug on the design. You can get a rainbow, even a double rainbow on the card if you so desire. The sky is the limit with the fun designs you can use to create your dream credit card. But if you stop and think about the commercial for a second, you'll realize what they're doing to us. They're trying to distract us with the bright and shiny. They're trying to distract us with the colorful and the playful. You know who else falls for that? You know who else gets distracted by the bright and shiny? Cats. Cats love lasers. It's true. You can hypnotize a cat with a tiny laser or a colorful piece of yarn. So when I talk to people about getting their finances in order and not falling for all the tricks of the credit card companies, I'm not telling people they need to be financial experts. I don't want us to all win the Nobel Prize for our theories on economics. I just want us to be smarter than cats. So don't get distracted. Don't give in to the bright and shiny. Together, I know we can be smarter than cats. And he closes by saying, I believe in you and me. (laughs) So he refers to the bright and shiny as the way that the credit card companies try to market us the ability to buy whatever we want to. But I think the analogy serves a broader function. You know, how many of us look for happiness uh, with the shiniest new phone technology or the brightest new vacation spot or really the newest anything, really? You know, we're seeking happiness from earthly wealth, yet God says you will never find true happiness there. Think deeply about Luke 16, 11, where Jesus says, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Because this isn't just a hypothetical question. God uses the way that we manage our money as a test for our right to receive something far more valuable. And that something is what we've been hinting at, true wealth. That's what God desires for you. Internal and eternal riches is God's gift for us. So what is true wealth? It's a lasting peace. It's a deep joy. It's found when we carry out his commands. True wealth leaves an impact that lasts forever. True wealth is not about acquiring goods. It's not about getting stuff. It's about being transformed in a relationship with God where you're being faithful and making him famous with the resources that he has entrusted you with. I know we've all heard it said that money can't buy happiness, but if we're honest, some of us are desperately trying to find out if that's really true. The truth is money cannot satisfy the empty places in our souls. Money can't make us feel loved. Money can't forgive our sins or guarantee eternity or bring lasting peace. But money can be a training ground for trustworthiness. Money can be a training ground for trustworthiness. Gaining trustworthiness isn't about speed. It's not something that happens overnight. Trustworthiness is about faithfulness. It's a combination of time and obedience and perseverance. 
Think about it this way. You're not going to, or at least I would say that you were crazy if you decided to buy your new 16-year-old teenage driver a new Mercedes-Benz as their primary mode of transportation, right? They have not proven trustworthy. They've put no time into driving yet. They have no record of obedience or perseverance uh, to proper driving rules and safety procedures. In the same way, you wouldn't trust your three-year-old to take care of your precious family pet, taking it out on walks and feeding it the appropriate things and scooping up the poop, right? (laughs) Because they have not yet been able to show their ability to do so faithfully over time. In the same way, God says, until you show me that you can be faithful with the riches, with the resources that I've blessed you with here on earth, why would I consider blessing you with heavenly riches, my power and presence manifested in your life through joy and peace? And this is an indicting question for us, isn't it? I know I was challenged this week by it, and it's indicting because we have allowed ourselves to be so sucked in to what our culture says about money and stuff, so sucked into the lie that stuff equals happiness, that to us, following God's way of managing money almost seems like a loss at times, doesn't it? We've drowned out God's principles in pursuit of earthly happiness, but in return, we've lost the true joy that following those principles can bring. God's perspective is that he wants you to be free to follow him, to make wise decisions in your finances. And sometimes that may mean getting to buy something nice and new. God's perspective also is that he wants to bless you with true riches as you learn to be faithful with the money that he's given you to steward here on earth. And that leads to the third question that's foundational to how the money app would be designed. And that third question is, are you ready to get God involved in your finances? Are you ready to get God involved in your finances? See, just like God didn't design us to live any other area of our lives apart from him, he didn't design us to manage our finances apart from him either. Yet all of us, myself included, have the propensity to treat money as something that is not spiritual, as something that we can handle ourselves, right, without the influence and the power to be found from God's spirit and in God's word. But if we're going to transform our perspective uh, to be able to enjoy freedom and true wealth, we're going to need to partner with God every step of the way. And there's two options to how God can relate with you when it comes to money. The first one is that God can be like the coach uh, of a bunch of four-year-olds on a soccer team. They're all just running and chasing that elusive ball, and they're all struggling because they're never finding true success. Or God can be actively involved as our personal financial partner. It all depends on the extent to which we'll allow God to be involved. And his active involvement, it's not to serve as a vending machine God where if you press all the right buttons, you can get what you want. And it doesn't mean that even if you do all of the right things that you're never gonna face hardships. Remember, God said, in this world, you will face troubles of many kind. But what his active involvement does mean is that finances are a huge area in your life where you can have an interactive relationship with God. And this can be a paradigm shift for some of us to realize that managing our finances can be just as much of a spiritual exercise as singing a worship song or saying a prayer. And like every other part of our spiritual journey with Jesus, our finances are not just about rules. Yes, there are rules, there are guidelines, there's principles that God has given us to help us stay in a healthy place, but it's more than rules. At its core, managing our finances is about continuing to develop a reliance in a relationship with God. And what's the basis of any relationship? 
trust, right? And this is where it gets hard for some of us because some of us might have been saying to God, well, what if I trust you, but then I can't afford to buy groceries? Or what if I trust in your principles, but then I have to lose my house? Or what if I get sick and I can't afford to meet my basic needs? You know, all of us have wrestled through these questions and they're all valid concerns. But the good news is that God has a strategy for all of those concerns and it's found in his word. In Matthew 6, 31 to 33, this is what Jesus says. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Underline that. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Circle that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So there it is, a promise fresh off the lips of Jesus that if you focus on his kingdom, that he will take care of your needs. And that might not always look like you expect, and this is where some of us get hung up. It might not always happen in a way that makes us feel like we're still in control. It might not always happen in a way that makes us still feel like, hey, we're important or we're valued or we're significant in society. But in my life and in the lives of many daybreakers, we can speak to times where God has come through on that promise in one way or another in our lives. And I want to share one such story with you about a daybreak family who wasn't sure how their needs were going to be taken care of, who couldn't see how they could possibly make things work based on their set of circumstances. And then they entrusted their finances to God. They got him involved. And since then, they've truly found financial peace. They've been freed up to seek God's kingdom and to change the course of their family. So I invite you to watch the story of Rob and Jen Hartman with me this morning. Hi, we're the Hartmans, and we've been married for 10 years and have three daughters. I'm a sixth grade teacher. And I have my teaching degree, but currently I'm staying home with our three girls. Drew is seven and just began second grade. Callie is four, and Brynn will be two in October. We both grew up going to church and believe that Jesus is our savior and leader, and we've been attending Daybreak since last fall. Last summer, we found ourselves in a situation so many people today are in. I was furloughed from the school district I was working for and I wouldn't be going back to the classroom that fall. This allowed me the opportunity to be at home with our daughters, which was something I always wanted to do, but we felt financially it was impossible. Before we found ourselves in this situation, we had the false illusion that we were financially comfortable. Sure, there were places in our lives and times where we would overspend, some months were better than others, and there were times when we were worried we wouldn't have enough money to cover the bills. But somehow, we always seemed to get back on two feet again. When we were first married, we made a lot of stupid financial decisions that in hindsight weren't too smart, like purchasing cars when we already owned them and purchasing a home with a 30-year mortgage while putting very little down for a down payment. With the last of my job, we weren't sure how we would financially survive. That January, I was actually called back to work as a long-term substitute. This provided a true test emotionally as I felt like God had called me to stay at home with our girls. So after much prayer and with a lot of faith, I quit my job at the end of that month. Around that time when Jen quit her job, we sought counsel from my uncle and aunt who was a stay-at-home mom when her kids were little. They also attend Daybreak. They had taken a financial course at church called Financial Peace University. This course taught by Dave Ramsey teaches people baby steps that they can take to get out of debt, learn how to save money, and ultimately learn how to give generously in the end. They encouraged us to take the course and offered to pay for our tuition. They saw the benefits to me being at home and how happy I was and how happy the girls were about this decision. 
They believed in us and wanted to help us find peace in all areas of our lives. We were willing to do anything to give us some direction. We believed God's plan was for me to be at home, but didn't have a plan as to how we were going to make that work. We had already turned so much of our lives over to God, and now it was time to trust our finances to Him and to learn His way to manage our money. We were grateful for the opportunity to take this course, as they had shared some of what it was about with us the month before we joined the class. We began the course and couldn't have imagined how God would have changed our lives. When we created our first budget after the first class, we were short hundreds of dollars just to cover our basic needs. We began to explore different ways we could earn some extra money and to make up for those shortfalls. God provided part-time work for us and also showed us areas in our lives that we didn't need to spend so much. We learned to be humble when family offered gifts that seemed so small to some but were huge to us. There really aren't words to describe how our needs got met at times or where the money came from other than to say they were God moments. Today we're proud to have completed FPU and are working through Dave Ramsey's baby steps. We have a long road ahead with only one income to work with. However, we have already paid off a large amount of debt just by working hard, sticking to our budget, and most definitely praying. We started this whole process by following God's lead to have me stay home with the girls, and we trusted Him, learned His principles for managing money, and created our plan based on those principles, and He has provided. Even though we questioned whether or not we'd be able to pull this off at first, we know now that I am where I should be, and that with our faith and family, we will win this financial battle and find peace in managing our money. We are determined to change our family tree and our girls are a huge motivation. We want to model a financially stable life for them that will carry over into their adult lives. I've even joined the Financial Peace Ministry team here at Daybreak. I'm really eager to share a story and to continue to learn from others. I felt God leading me in this direction and want to be part of helping others experience the peace we have found not only financially but overall in life. Dave's slogan is to live like no one else so later you can live like no one else. And with God's love and support and that of our family, our church family, and our friends, we are doing just that. So for Rob and for Jen, as they sought God's kingdom first, as they got God involved in their finances, their needs were met. And for them, they found financial peace, not because they're earning more than they've ever been earning, but because they've got a plan, because they're following God's perspectives and God's principles. And in turn, they've been able to find success and find financial peace. So are you ready for a change like theirs? Are you ready to get God involved? Are you ready to feel financial peace? Adopting God's perspective is the first part of that equation, but the second part is point two. I find financial peace first when I adopt God's perspective, uh, and second when I apply God's principles. When I apply God's principles. God's perspective gives us the philosophy for managing money well, but then it's God's principles that speak to the how-tos. There's a great quote by Henry Thoreau that speaks to the challenge of the how-tos. Uh, it says, almost any man knows how to earn money, but not one in a million knows how to spend it. And that's true, isn't it? Our economy continues to show uh, the effects of our country's debt problem. Our government, our schools, uh, our families all struggle with making wise decisions with money. We know how to earn money, but we've not yet learned how to wisely allocate it from there. What we need are God's principles, uh, God's detailed how-tos to guide our fi financial decision-making process. And luckily for us, God's word is chock-full of these principles. In fact, I want to share just a few stats about the frequency of money references in God's word. 
Did you know that Jesus actually talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined? In fact, the only thing that Jesus talked more about in the Bible was the kingdom of God. Jesus told 39 parables, and 11 of those 39 parables had to do with money. And then in the book of Luke, one out of every seven verses references money. And all of the references uh, in Scripture about money point out God's principles. And God's principles align around four different things that you can do with your money. Uh, You can borrow it, says you can spend it, you can save it, or you can give it. And I want to share just a small sampling uh, of some passages about these four things. Just listen as I, as I list just the references. Matthew 6, 24 and Proverbs 22, 7 give us principles about borrowing. Luke 14, 28 to 30. Proverbs 27, 23. James 4, 13 to 15. They give us principles about spending. Proverbs 21, 5. Proverbs 20. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8. And Proverbs 10, 22 give us principles for saving. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Deuteronomy 16, 17, Luke 6, 38, they give us principles for giving, and these are just a few of the passages that have to deal with those four concepts. Additionally, did you know that the Bible talks about things like co-signing loans, uh, investing, creating a budget, uh, making a profit, paying taxes, uh, earning money, worrying about money, owning a business, and the list goes on and on. God's word is full of clear instruction as it relates to money because he wants us to have success. Let me ask you something. If God was to get involved in your finances, if you were able to learn and apply God's principles, if you were able to find one area of your finances totally transformed, I mean, to a place where you were no longer stressed or no longer frustrated by it, but instead you felt a lasting peace about it, which area of your finances would you want that to be? I actually want to invite you to write that down in your outline today. Would it be borrowing? Would it be that area of debt? Would it be spending? Would it be uh, having more controlled, more uh, planned out spending patterns? Would it be saving? Would it be paying yourself, paying towards the future? Maybe it would be giving. Maybe it would be uh, being able to be more generous uh, in, in paying your tithes and extra offerings. I want you to write down which area you would like to see transformed. And then after you do that, I want to invite you to close your eyes and ponder these questions. How would your life look different if that area of your finances was transformed? How would your relationship with God be different? What would you feel about that area of your finances when you think about it as compared to what you think when you think about that area of your finances now? you to take a minute to picture that, and then you can open your eyes. And this is the best news of all, is that what you just pictured, it's not hypothetical. It doesn't have to be fantasy. It can be reality, because the bottom line is that if you invite God into your finances, he has the principles that will help you change. He has the principles to help you manage your money well and to find financial peace. And that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't happen with just a snap of fingers. Uh, It doesn't mean it's even going to be immediate. Uh, But this is what God says in Proverbs 21.5. He says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. And if that word prosperity turns you off, listen to Proverbs 21.5 in the NIV instead. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. So instead of finding your pla- yourself in a place of deficit after every paycheck where you just don't have enough to make it meet, 
Good planning and hard work in following God's principles can help you find yourself, God's word says, in a place of profit instead. And you may wonder, where can I learn what I need? Where, where is there a place where all of God's principles are compiled and, and put in such a way that I can learn to apply it and, and make it work for me in my life? And we've been talking a little bit about it all service, but that place is Financial Peace University. We've got an awesome group of folks, Jen included, uh, who helped to lead this life-changing small group opportunity that helps you to put God's principles into action and helps you start to win with money. The curriculum was put together by Dave Ramsey, who is a national financial guru, but also a Christ follower. Uh, so he, he keeps that in the, in the front of the curriculum. FPU this fall is extra special because Dave Ramsey and his ministry have been working for the past year or two to condense what was 13 weeks down into nine weeks because his desire really is to see everyone be able to have a chance to get through this, even if you're someone who's got a really busy schedule. Dave and his team of teachers, uh, they do an amazing job in creating engaging video teaching. And then also as a part of the group, you get a chance to, to sit in a small group with other people who are on that same journey towards financial health that you're on. I want to play uh, one more short video that gives you just a glimpse into Dave Ramsey's heart for Financial Peace University and a glimpse into his heart for how much he desires for you to find financial peace. financial peace. We all want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help, and I learned how to handle money His way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. Over 200 daybreakers have gone through Financial Peace University and have already begun to feel the effects of the peace that comes uh, when you get control of your money and invite God to be a part of it. And today is actually the last Sunday to register for Financial Peace University this fall. Out at Ministry Central, there's someone out there to answer any questions that you might have about the program and to help you get registered. Uh, this fall, they will have a Tuesday evening option for Financial Peace University here at this campus. Uh, and if Tuesdays don't work, out at the Good Hope Road campus, uh, there's a Thursday night option. But I encourage you, don't wait any longer. Don't put financial peace off for another season because God wants you to experience it today. He's inviting you to adopt his perspective and then to obediently apply his principles. And through FPU, he's given you the tools to help make that happen. It's changed my family's life and I know it can change yours as well. My wife and I took FPU a few years ago and at the time, we had, uh, we had some acceptable debt. We had a mortgage on a townhome, but we also had other uh, unnecessary debt. 
Uh, I would have told you at the time that we were living frugally, uh, but in hindsight, looking back on it, we weren't living as frugally as we could have been. We had great intentions to save, but we always ran out of money, so it never happened. Uh, We gave to the church, but we never had any extra money left over uh, to give to friends for missions trip or other important causes. Our finances weren't broken, but they certainly were not operating on 100% efficiency. Now, just a few years later of, of working the plan, uh, the impact of FPU has been tangible in our lives. It's given us a plan. It's helped us to manage our money much more intentionally. We were able uh, to get rid of all unnecessary debt over the past few years. Uh, we're also now barely using credit cards, so we're not getting to the end of the month and then wondering, how are we going to pay this thing off? We plan our spending every two weeks based on what we know is coming in, leaving a little extra buffer for uh, unknown emergencies or even just for some fun. We've also got money now saved up in case of emergencies, which gives you a great sense of peace. And because of getting those things right, we got to the place this year where we've even been able to afford a new home, one that meets all of our needs. And even more importantly, we're giving generously to forward the kingdom of God. And all of these outcomes are great, but the best part of all of that is the peace that we can feel, knowing that we're being faithful and stewarding the resources that God has entrusted to us. And so I want that peace for you guys too. If you remember that area of your finances that I invited you uh, to write down, this morning as we close in prayer, I want to encourage you maybe to pray with open hands, just as a representation of your desire to open up your finances to God, to allow Him to get involved. As I pray, I encourage you, give that area that you wrote down to God and watch what he can do when you start applying his word to that area of your finances. Let me pray. God, today we hold out uh, with open hands uh, our debt that maybe we just don't know how we're gonna get out of. Uh, We hold out our desire to control our spending. Maybe we hold out our desire to be able to save more. Maybe we hold out our desire to be generous, to be able to give more. God, today, maybe we hold out our desire and our need for a job. God, we hold out our basic needs to you. In your word, it says for us to not worry about our lives, but to seek first your kingdom. And so even if we're in a place of need, we pledge to seek first your kingdom, and we trust that you will provide for those needs. God, In that place, we invite you to do a miracle in us and through us. Today, we agree to adopt your perspectives on our finances, to live free and to be faithful as we allow you to partner with us. And God, today, we also agree to apply your principles to our lives, to learn what you have to teach us about borrowing and about saving and about spending and about giving. Would you teach us to fully trust you today? to give up control of our money to you? Would you replace any fear and any doubt we feel about that with hope and with peace as we surrender all to you? Our goal is that you would make us obedient servants with generous hearts. We love you and our desire today is to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Jason. I feel like I was infused with the God's truth today and, and uh, just giving some hope, uh, which I needed because yesterday I filled both of my cars up with gas. And uh, if you've done that at the same time recently, uh, that's, that can be an eye-opener just to realize, man, I, I need to, to, I was sitting there today thinking, I need to revisit uh, my finances. I need to revisit 
some things because I shouldn't have felt the way I felt yesterday at the gas pump. Uh, even though I was discouraged about the gas prices, I, I should have felt a sense that we're okay. I have peace because I'm managing the resources that God has entrusted to me wisely. Instead, I, I kind of went away feeling a, a sense of angst, and that, that's when I know my trust isn't fully in God. So I want to encourage you today as you think about your response because we are talking about application this month. We are saying that taking God's word and his truth and actually applying it to our life's lives is the most important thing that we can do. So we want you to respond to God today. It might be in the form of a prayer. Maybe God's just put something on your heart from his word today and something you underlined or circled and you just need to say, God, help me to trust you in that way. It might be like it is for me. I need to go back and, and revisit some things again to make sure I'm making the best use of what God has entrusted to me. By God's grace, I've been on a long journey with entrusting things to him, and I, but I want to go back and make sure I'm handling his resources wisely. Maybe that's you, or maybe today for the first time you felt like you realized God does have a plan for my resources, and I have been afraid to trust him. I have been afraid that if I fully entrust my finances to him, maybe uh, things won't work out the way I had planned or I had hoped. And maybe God just wants you to yield your heart to him today and surrender to him and say, it's okay, I can trust you, Lord, with my resources. Wherever you are today, if you need prayer, you can write that on your card today. But take these next couple moments and take a tangible step that God might be asking you to take. And obviously the most practical one for some of you is you may need to sign up for Financial Peace University today. It doesn't matter what age. I wish I would have taken this course in college. <laughs> I wish somebody would help me know these things before I ever even got out of school. So if you're here and you're a student, it, it might be worth your while. But you might be here today thinking, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that just listen to God's voice. He'll lead you. If he wants you to sign up for that class or take another step, if you humble yourself and open your heart, God will lead you and he'll give you the direction that you need for today. So let's take these next couple of moments, take out your response cards and you can write a prayer or your response to God today. And uh, during this next song, if you would like someone to pray for you or pray with you, you can go out the back, down the hall to the left and one of our prayer counselors will be there and just listen to you and pray for you. But let's take these next few moments and respond to God.